It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, this is the Locked On Chiefs podcast. And that is your victory over the New Orleans Saints, the last major hurdle on the regular season schedule for the Kansas City Chiefs. We're brought to you today by Pepsi. This football season is different, and Pepsi's there to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. Pepsi's the refreshment that you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers, passionate fans that are the real generational talent. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Matt Derrick's going to join us here in a minute as we go through uh, the end of what is now the 13-1 and Kansas City Chiefs last contest against Drew Brees and New Orleans Saints. I'm Ryan Tracy, the founder of Rogue Analytics, and your host at RGR Football. And I'm Chris Clark. Thank you all for listening. We really do appreciate it, and I hope you guys are having a happy holidays. There's a ton to get into in this specific situation and this game. Kansas City played a good game, in my opinion. I think that with when you look at their offensive line struggles, I think that was a huge deal. Uh, that really played into New Orleans' hands in this game. Uh, and honestly, I think Andrew Wiley did very well starting a right tackle position. He hasn't played in the NFL except for two snaps last week, or I'm sorry, last year uh, for them. And to be in a position to get Cameron Jordan thrown out of the game late, I think was huge too. And to not go and try to uh, retaliate. Yeah, good for him. It was nice to see. And I will uh... – there's a lot to, to take away on there. We'll, that'll be the first thing we talk to Matt about is about the offensive line. But I just want to say this. I thought it was a good overall team defensive uh, performance. There were some ups. There were some downs. Uh, but in the end, and it's funny to say this about a game where you gave up 29 points, well above their season average. But given that it's Drew Brees and that potent offense, I felt that that was a pretty good outing overall. And honestly, when you take a look uh, I think the thing that stood out to me the most, and I don't want to over uh, tax this in particular, but if I have it correct, this was the first significant snaps ever for Stefan Wisniewski on the right side of the offensive line. That plays a particular aspect to this game that, yes, it was nice to have another veteran in there. And Wiley did move out. So you have one position grade. You have one position replacement. You have Fisher, who is clearly not 100%, but gutted it out and made that attempt. They clearly decided that Allegretti has been playing well enough at left guard that they didn't want to disrupt that. And I think this may be your lineup going forward unless they get Mitch Schwartz back at some point. Yeah, and you have to wonder if they're going to be getting Schwartz back uh, with no kind of updates on him at all whatsoever. If he's going to play, it's going to be in the playoffs. I can't imagine he's back before then, uh, and maybe they start activating him in the next couple of weeks. But at this point, you have to figure that this is going to be what they have. And you have to wonder, honestly, with Kansas City specifically, and we'll talk about this later in the show, but I wonder if they all just sit Remmers and say, we're going to sit you this next week and see if they can get his back in order for at least, you know, the week 17 game. That would certainly be uh, an advantage, I think, because 
right now they're they're in control as long as these last two games against opponents that they should be don't get out of hand and they don't take anything for granted. They should end up with that one seat, which allows you an extra week of rest for Remmers then, as well as the possibility that I truly feel is when they might be targeting the return of Mitch Schwartz. So why not do everything you can to help not only uh, that guy in Remmers, but that position on the offensive line? Yeah, absolutely. And real quick, Matt Derrick just tweeted out, Andy Reid said the initial x-rays are negative on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, so that is fantastic news for Kansas City. Uh, I was expecting them to x-ray something and something to be broken. So uh, they may have skated out of that one without a serious injury. I think there's still going to be ligament issues. But uh, if it was a break, he was definitely done for the year. And, and maybe he is able to get out of that. Yeah, I am I am concerned about his MCL, uh, the medial ligament. I thought at first it might even be a groin tear because of the way that he was kind of spread eagle as he came down there. But uh, certainly he got landed on as well. It could be a hamstring. It could be some kind of uh, teller dislocation. Uh, obviously not like Patrick's from a, a season ago, but something that is significant. So this is by far not a settled deal. Um, this is where the fact that Lev Bell was running pretty well tonight plays in is that that one-two punch is what can save this position group for the, the stretch run. And I'm very glad to see Lev Bell get back up and actually be able to finish the game with the way he got hit late in that face mask. I was really worried. Looked like Kansas City could have lost both running backs in the last five minutes of the game. But it looks like he'll be okay and good to go for moving forward. Yeah, I mean, and it, it's a shame about Clyde. He's had a great season as a rookie. Um, and in this particular game, he was tearing it off a little bit, 5.6 yards on 14 carries. Uh, obviously, you never want to see somebody go down, but he was just starting to pick up pace, I think, towards the postseason. Let's hope that it's nothing serious, and we should have more for you tomorrow, everyone. Uh, and after this, we're going to get with Matt Derrick and go over all the details from his perspective and some of his insights. This episode is brought to you by 1010. Now, you may have read about this in the New York Times or Forbes, but we're excited to tell you about it. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful commitment ring, launching exclusively on January 18th at BlueNile.com. And when they're gone, they're gone. We all know that the diamond engagement ring is iconic. It's timeless expression of the deepest commitment between two people. And with 1010, it's been beautifully re-envisioned in the hands of 10 modern designers working exclusively with sustainably sourced diamonds. If you're making 2021 plans or looking for a unique and meaningful way to celebrate Valentine's Day, you're definitely going to want to check this out. Again, this exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings launches on January 18th. And you can preview it exclusively at BlueNile.com. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We are post-game. Welcome back, Chiefs Kingdom. Uh, A nail-biter for sure, but we have Matt Derrick, so he'll set us straight on all the things that I was throwing things at the TV over. How are you, Matt? 
Um, okay. I'm probably uh, assuming a lot of people out there are holding your breath right now. <laughs> that is the way that it goes. There's a lot to this game. It actually ended up a little bit tighter than even I thought. And I think I had the, the tightest prediction of any of us, but they were able to pull this out. Perseverance, um, a jumble from the very beginning, um, ups and downs for a lot of different players. I want to start obviously with the brand new offensive line lineup there with Remmers not being able to go. We didn't think that he would. How did you feel that that group worked out? I, I thought it looked okay at the beginning of the game. I mean, it looked like they were playing with some energy, but after that, Mahomes just had no time. And there were way too many hits. I mean, it, way too much uh, pressure. I mean, it was, I, I'm, I'm trying to find anything positive to say out of it, and it was rough. But that's what happens when you were at this point in the season and you are down to, uh, let's face it. I mean, this is plan D or E at this point with this offensive line. I mean, that's just where they are as far as the injuries go, because far of things that even happened with during the off season. I mean, this was not how the Chiefs expected their offensive line to look in week 14, but it's where they are. And it was, it was, it was ugly. I mean, it was, it was hard to watch tonight at times. I will say this though. I have to give Eric Fisher credit for gutting the game out because I know a lot of people are going to be upset because they feel like he played like crap. I'm sorry, a lower back or a back injury for a lineman is something that good luck playing through it. And he gutted this game out, and I'm sorry he gave them an opportunity to win because if he doesn't play this game, it's much worse in my opinion. Yeah, I I, I have the same feeling. I mean, I have the feeling on both sides of the, of the bookends with Andrew Wiley as well. I mean, being asked to move from right guard to right tackle and move outside in that situation, I mean, it's a tough ask. I, mean, I thought um, Wiley played pretty decent, actually. And, and I think everybody, I, I thought, had their moments. And, and and Wiley certainly looked good at times, you know. But, you know, then again, I mean, we're not, we got to grade this a bit on a curve. I mean, this is not the New York Jets the Chiefs were facing today. This is New Orleans Saints, which I think you could potentially argue it's the best front four in the league. I mean, and certainly you look at the pressure that they generate when they're only rushing three or four guys. They are the best in the league. So, you know, it wasn't they weren't going up against a, a tomato can tonight. I mean, this was a good team and you're going to sometimes struggle against good teams. And I'm glad you mentioned that because this is the type of game that Kansas City has struggled in every single game this season. When they have faced the top competition, they just don't have, especially with all the guys that they have that are down on their offensive line, they don't have the ability to do what they need to be able to do. So I'm glad you brought that up because I think that's a huge point. I mean, there's plenty of good things to take out of this, too. I mean, statistically, because, you know what, if the offensive line's doing their jobs, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Le'Veon Bell aren't going for 141 yards. Yep. I mean, they were giving them some holes. So even if it was a struggle and pass blocking at times, and let's face it also, too, I mean, even though the pressure was there quick a lot of times, some of the pressure was getting there because there was nowhere for Mahomes to go. I mean, because the Saints were just flat out bringing three or four guys. They were dropping seven or eight. They were playing two safeties deep most of the game. I mean, they were doing everything that they could to encourage the Chiefs to run the football and to keep it in front of them. And, you know, and, and that's, I mean, that's a tough situation for, for any time. I mean, and some, of, and some of the hits that Mahomes took, I'll put on Mahomes because he was holding the ball a long time. He was trying to make things happen because there was nothing happening downfield because there was eight guys in coverage not t- sometimes. Yeah, I would agree. There's some key things that that I learned tonight. I think most of us did, Matt. You probably knew all this going into it. But, A, I would put Fisher at about 75% is all. I Maybe. Moved all right. Yeah, right. Uh, especially when making contact, his bend just didn't seem to be there. Where he's usually a guy that has 
enough uh, abdominal strength to get bent back, maintain his anchor, and still come back forward. I didn't yeah, anchor for anything today. Yeah, it was difficult. Um, I learned that Wiley can take a punch. That's for sure. Um, yes. He ups and downs. I thought that was important. And like you said, I thought Patrick waited too long to start using his legs. I thought there were opportunities there a little bit earlier. But all that said, when you take a look at where they are versus, like you said, a defense that is formidable, one that I predicted six months ago would be their Super Bowl opponent. And quite frankly, I still feel like that could be a possibility when they get their offensive weapons back. Overall, I thought persevering through that, this offense putting up points, being able to run the ball a bit, a little bit balance. Is this a complete game for the offensive side of the ball? I don't know if I would call it a complete game. I mean, it, and maybe and maybe that's also me, you know, not grading on the curve. Maybe I should be giving them a little bit more credit for the fact that they ran the football well, didn't turn the ball over, uh, you know, from as far as Mahomes throwing the anything interceptions. I mean, it, Mahomes throwing the throwing the ball was had a good day. Um, yeah, they had to turn over on the pressure, but I, you know, I, I, this is this was not at the explosive Chiefs offense that we typically see. We typically see that even when teams, you know, have mixed things up against them, when they do things like you know, hey, bring forward and drop back eight. We typically see, you know, Mahomes eventually kind of figure that out. I mean, 26 to 47 today for 254 is not exactly lighting it up. And had they not been able to take advantage of what they did on the ground, maybe they don't get the 32 points. Um, you know, and I don't think the difference in this league say and about looking down the, down the, down the road, because I think these two teams could meet again. And you know what? If they meet again, I might have to give the edge to the Saints because if they've got a relatively healthy Drew Brees and a healthy Michael Thomas, this game probably looks a little bit different. Well, and I will say this really quick. I do think that this game looks a little bit different if the, if the Chiefs have their offensive line at least somewhat healthy and it's not on, you know, option C, E, C, D, E, or F, uh, in different positions. I do, I did like what I saw from Wisniewski today. I think he played very well, uh, especially for his first start. Uh, I have to throw this out there and I know we need to talk about this game, but I wonder, do you sit Mahomes next week? Do you sit Travis Kelsey next week? The game doesn't really matter as long as you win the last week of the season. I mean, not necessarily Travis Kelsey, but Mahomes, after taking that hit, he needs some time to get back into health. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a question worth asking. I think it's something that probably a, a coach like Andy Reid wouldn't give much consideration to. Um, especially because I think that you're looking at the likelihood that week 17 is going to matter even less for the Chiefs. And in that case, you know, you really can't afford to give, I think, your starters too much time and too much rest and get them too rusty, considering that you probably are looking at a week 17 that doesn't have much meaning. And if that, ha and you're probably going to have a, a bye week as well, unless things really go south here. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't see Andy Reid doing that at this point, but I, hey, I think it's definitely a question worth asking. And it's definitely something as far as just mixing things up, maybe rotating some guys in, you know, even if it's, you know, giving some of the offensive line, you know, giving them some rotation there, giving some guys some rest so that they're just not playing full time might be a consideration because you're right. I mean, next week's game by and large has almost zero meaning. Right. Yeah. And if, if the Steelers lose or if the Steelers win tonight, you would have to imagine that Kansas City is going to be going into week 17 with uh, all they have to do is win that game and they're the number one seed. So to me, that is why I would consider saying, OK, I don't really care about this game. And because it doesn't matter when it comes to tiebreakers, the week 17 game does. Yeah. And, and like I said, I mean, 
the only the only hesitation with how you manage week 16 is that you really could go into a situation where week 17 doesn't have any meaning. I mean, it could mean a lot and it could mean very little. It's true. There are a lot of players to look at. We are going to talk about this defense that stepped up in a big way as a unit on the backside of this. The regular season is finishing up and the playoff picture is becoming clearer. NFL has games of the week, college football, top games, and all kinds of different things that are going to go on as they get into the playoff time. Not for the college guys first, and the uh, sweepstakes for Trevor Lawrence is coming up as well. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in the action. Don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports experts. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner at BetOnline underscore AG to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and use promo code locked on for your sign up bonus. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I think obviously we've spent a lot of time about Patrick because mostly of that that big hit and what that offensive line set him up to have to deal with. There were some ups and downs that I think we'll talk about from some of the specialty players, but I think we have to give a lot of credit to Steve Bagnolo, not only for his plan, but getting guys in position to play. The players played a solid game against the run, the, their biggest weakness. They made some plays. I'm sure Tyron will not be happy that he dropped an interception again, but there's a lot to it. Matt, on that side of the ball, the thing that they need to be ramping up as we go on, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, I think there was there was some good and some bad. Um, yeah, I mean, they definitely left some turnovers on the field. And hey, you know what? That's the old joke. I mean, defensive backs, they're defensive backs for a reason. They're going to drop some balls. So, okay. Um, I thought that the pass rush was okay. Um, they only have the one sack that was even on the blitz. So, but I, I don't know that I'd say it was fantastic. I mean, it, it was good. I mean, it got the job done to a degree. They did put some pressure. They picked up some hits on Breeze. He's a quarterback who's going to take some hits anyway, although, you know, I, I wouldn't have been surprised if he was a little gun shy today and didn't want to take some hits with those ribs. Um, but I thought the secondary played really well. I mean, I, it looks like I think they have nine passes broken up um, on a day when Breeze, I don't think, was particularly sharp. I mean, that's probably some of it there, too. Uh, but I thought overall, I mean, the defensive backfield, I thought, played really, really well. And they didn't really they didn't give up any big chunk plays on the ground either. I mean, that's something that they've occasionally struggled with. Um, Kamara's longest run was 11 yards. I mean, they really bottled up the Saints on the ground, and and that's what you've got to do. I mean, yeah, the, you take out that one big play, um, the Sanders, and and by and large, I mean this defense played really, really well. So I thought it was good team defense. I'm not sure there was anybody that you know you look at it and just say it was a great standout game. Everybody had some good moments and some some down moments, but overall. I thought they probably played their best overall team game that they've played in a while. Mm -hmm. I would have to agree with that. And I will say really quick, I think Tyron's going to be beating himself up on that Sanders play too. Uh, He peeked into the backfield just a little too much and let that uh, get hit over the top. Uh, And that set them up for a touchdown. I I guarantee he's going to beat himself up about that interception that he dropped as well. But, uh, you know, 
I think Snead played a fantastic game. Uh, he got, you know, hits on the quarterback. He got an interception. Uh, that last touchdown, I mean, obviously that's on him. He got turned around. But other than that, I think he played really solid, and I was very impressed by what I saw from him. I'm really looking forward to being able to watch him, uh, you know, for the rest of the season because I think he's going to be a big player. The one guy that I was surprised we didn't see any kind of uh, snaps from, and I didn't see him on special teams, and I was watching was DeAndre Baker. Uh, he was active, but I don't remember seeing him on the field at all. Yeah, I don't recall it either. I mean, I'm sure he was out there specifically for special teams. Um, maybe there was a little bit here in a nickel or a dime defense he was out there for. But uh, I mean, to me, not a terrible surprise. I mean, it's still, I think, too early to expect too much out of him. Remember, until he arrived in Kansas City, he hadn't played any football this year. No offseason, nothing. So uh, that I think it's it's going to take a little time. Don't rush it too much. I mean, he got, got up today. That's a, that's a good first step. They get another chance to bring him up if they want to. But if anything, you get out of DeAndre Baker, it's gravy this year. But Absolutely. I, I wouldn't put too much pressure on it or too many expectations yet. I felt like the roller coaster that is the Chiefs wide receivers that aren't named Hill was um, very telling today. A couple, I mean, a miraculous play for McCole Hardman uh, in the back of the end zone when Sammy didn't even realize the ball was being thrown in that direction. Uh, and then obviously some faux pas as well. DeMarcus in that fumble is inexcusable at that point. Knowing where you are on the field, I think, seems to be something that situationally is a problem. But when you're getting everything <laughs> right, I mean, yeah, well, that's not even getting into the loaf of bread thing. But if you are not Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey, you have to be able to take the most of your opportunities because they're going to keep coming. Is this something that they have to look at getting uh, Pringle all the way back so he can take some of those reps, or do they just keep riding as they are, Matt? Uh, I mean, I think they'd love to get Pringle, you know, back to healthy so he could take a little bit of that workload because what he's what he's what he's done in limited snaps has been pretty good work. And yeah, I mean this this has been kind of I mean overall from McCole Harvin, I think you would probably classify it as a disappointing season because he didn't take that big leap, hasn't taken it yet that a lot of people were expecting. He's had some rough moments at times, too. I mean, there was a couple of drops today that, you know, could have been costly. One, maybe not too much of a drop. Maybe it was just, you know, give it up to good defense on the Saints. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Kelsey and Hill, I mean, they did what they did. I mean, and they did it in a really tough situation today because the Saints were just clearly trying to to target them and take them out of the game plan. At which point, yeah, I mean, if that's the case, then you need Watkins, you need Robinson, you need Hartman to step up. and. And Watkins and Harvard both had their moments. I mean, they both had some nice plays. Um, you know, I think with Watkins, you, you expect the veteran to maybe come up a little bit bigger in that moment. Um, but you're right. I mean, Robinson, I mean, I guess that's a little bit of, you know, what happens when you, you get a guy on special teams that, you know, doesn't get too many opportunities to return kicks and is trying to force himself into doing too much. He, sometimes good things happen, but a lot of times they don't. And that was, you're right, totally inexcusable in that situation. And had Hardman not taken that big hit on the what the previous drive, wouldn't probably been out there receiving that kick. You take that hit and you just go down and you let the clock run out for half. It's not a big play at that point, and you don't put points on the board for the other team. You know the one thing that I have to give Andy Reid credit for is one of the things that's always frustrated me about Reid is his clock management and the way he calls plays at the end of the game when they're up, but. He has trusted Mahomes the past couple of weeks, and it has really paid off for Kansas City. That touch, or not sorry, not touchdown, but that catch by Kelsey in the late in the fourth quarter that got them the first down, and Kelsey had the wherewithal to get down in bounds and keep the clock running 
that is huge. Both of those guys know exactly what they needed to do, and they did it. And Mahomes' pass looked very easy, but that's very hard. That's a very hard pass to just have that kind of touch to be able to put it right where Kelsey needed it to be able to do that. Yeah, and for Travis to get one cheek down on the turf in time, I thought was impressive as well. And credit to Andy for running the ball a lot in that stretch when you needed to just eat the clock. There were opportunities for them for, for him to make mistakes that he's made in the past. So credit to him. That said, um, when we take this team as a whole, Matt had to jump off to go cover the team in the press conferences. Um, who gets your game ball, Chris? You know, honestly, I, I think you could give it to him every single week. Uh, but I got to give my game ball to Patrick Mahomes because I, and it wasn't just with the throws this week. It was, he threw the ball 47 times. And normally if he does that, he's going to be well over 400 yards, but he kept throwing the ball regardless of what the coverages were giving him. And he kept trying to push the ball down the field and it really helped, but it wasn't really the throws that got his game ball, got him the game ball for me. It was his runs. He just has a knack for finding a way to get a first down when he needs it. And, you know, I loved his scramble when it looked like he was going to throw it to Travis, and then they both realized he would be on the line of scrimmage, and Travis takes off the block for him. And, you know, I I think those two together playing the way that they're playing is phenomenal for Kansas City, and I have to give my game ball to Bones. I've been waiting to do this, and it's finally appropriate. Uh, Three tackles, a sack. The only interception of the ball game and three passes defense on top of that. Jerry Sneed was the guy that was kind of everywhere, at least through three quarters. Like you said earlier, he did get turned around on that touchdown pass to, uh, you know, a, a guy that doesn't really belong in this league, in my opinion, but right. Is what and it to is. be fair about that touchdown, and I'm not trying to take anything away from what you're saying, but to be fair on that touchdown, he is going to learn from that. And that's exactly what you need from a player like that. I mean, he's playing phenomenal football. I'm not trying to take anything away from him for that touchdown at all. Uh, but, you know, I agree with you. I understand why you're giving him the game ball. I thought he played a very good game, and he's going to learn from the mistakes he made on that touchdown play. Absolutely. And to be the guy as a rookie that – and we, we give it more credit than it's worth because, what, this is game 13, right? Uh, right? But he missed half of those. And to be in that position where you're the guy giving the defensive unit the spark as a rookie – uh, I respect that, and I hope that it continues. I expect him to just – his ceiling is out there as far as I can tell. So that's it for us today, folks. We're going to get back with you tomorrow as we break down all the aftermath. Thank you for being with us tonight. Hope you enjoyed that one. It was uh, it was a fun watch, if not a little bit stressful. Yep, it was a very fun game, uh, but it is game 14, just to throw that out there. Uh, but – <laughs> it, was, it was a great game. Uh, honestly, I thought Kansas City played very well uh, at times, and this offense is going to be in better sync next week against the Atlanta Falcons uh, as long as everybody plays. And I honestly, I have to wonder if Andy Reid's going to give some players a little bit of time off next week. Yeah, that'll be something we'll discuss this week. Don't miss anything as we go through. Matt will be back on, uh, what is it, Wednesday, and we will take a look forward as well. Thanks for listening to us tonight. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Ryan Tracy is the founder of Rogue Analytics and the host of RGR Football on YouTube. Follow him there. Chris Clark is a senior analyst at ChiefsDigest.com where you can get his work. Rate and review at Apple Podcasts and subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. Thank you for listening. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. 
Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.